kid. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with uh, the mobility chick, Tracy Hayes. How are you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you because I think there's a lot of talk about mobility in general, but I actually don't even want to start there because I think one of the most important things for people to, to realize when uh, like I share your stuff or uh, point people in your direction is a little bit of your backstory. How did you get so excited and so passionate? Because I think that's definitely the word to associate with you with mobility and baseball? It's a great question. Thank you for asking. I tend to be long-winded, so I'm going to try to make this just bullet point in my head to get to the point. I've always been into movement. I've been in fitness and training for 20 plus years. And very early on, I always did the weird stuff in the gym, the really small stuff. If I had male clients, we started with small, balanced, turning, foundational. While I was doing that, I ended up meeting a professional baseball player, seeing what his off-season workouts were like, and they were just lifts at the time. This was 15, 20 years ago. And uh, I brought him through the stuff that I would normally take a client, the, fu the functional work. And we'll fast forward. He had a career. In that, I started introducing yoga to the teams. I did yoga with the Kansas City Royals and any team that he was on. So I had a little bit of the inside, I had a lot of the inside scoop of not only how baseball players move, how they train, what's expected of them, but then also on-field performance. And then a, just a little intro into that from the, the strength and the movement standpoint. Then fast forward a bunch of years, I had a bunch of kids. And after having my kids, I decided, you know, I want to just go explore what's interesting to me. And as I dove back in, I discovered there was so much new information out there that wasn't available 10 years prior. It was so interesting that I thought, you know what, even though I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm going to just see what athletes, what friends, baseball players, I can help because I'm considered once a baseball wife, always a baseball wife. I just started reaching out to some of the players and their wives. And then COVID hit. I thought, I can't really do the on-field stuff with this when they literally just sent everybody home. So I listened to my intuition, very strong intuition. And my little voice said, hey, you should do a yoga class every day while spring training is on pause. So I did. I, for anybody who wanted to join, and I had decent amount of interest, which was great, but it was just yoga. And it, what's funny is it was old school yoga. And I, even two years ago, I look back at what I'm doing or I was doing and I cringe at what I did back then. And, and that just evolved into, I had the idea to do a 12 week mobility series. The reason why I chose that in 12 weeks is it, it takes a while for your body to adapt to these new changes. And it's, it wasn't just mobility. It wasn't just, hey, let's work on the active range. I wanted to take all of what I knew from the past, but also my experience as a baseball wife, my experience working with the players of the Royals and all the other, what I see and observe, and turn it into something where I help guys optimize, basically ground, build the most strong, balanced foundation we could ever have while also working on mobility. And so that, that's a really short story. I could keep going on and on, but it, it 
the first year that I did it was 2000, was it 2020, I think going to 2021. And I had a pretty decent turnout and guys started sending me text messages. They start, they're moving better and their hips feel great. Their back feels great. They're lifting more, they're throwing harder. And it was just really exciting for me because I put together what an intuitive holistic program to just for movement that was going to help them. And I ended up running stats on, I had to wait for an entire season. So the 2021 season would have been the first season these guys had played before or after doing my series. And there were so many significant improvements in their stats from the year prior to doing my mobility series. I mean, one thing I'm going to add is that the person who ran my stats is an ex-pro baseball player who has his master's degree from Harvard in psychology with a focus in data analytics. So pretty smart and knowing the baseball world, but we saw a reduction in injuries. We saw guys, their ERA lowered, home run rate increased, their K per nine, the strikes rate increased in addition to throwing harder and tons of guys got called up. So it just evolved and I'm constantly learning. If I hear something new, I happen to be on a podcast, somebody mentioned something, let's go check it out. And I've been able to partner with a ton of really unbelievable strength coaches in the industry. I've now had 24, I've had uh, coaches and players from 24 of the 30 major league organizations from minor league to major league. And it's just been really exciting. So now I've branched into and opened up my program to non-pro because I started having high school dads reach out to me. Hey, can my son do it? And I'm sure we'll talk about that in this podcast. The youth players really, everybody needs it, but youth specifically, because we're just seeing their movements and their posture and not only are injuries increasing, but their movements are just ter terrible pretty much and their posture. So now I'm on a mission to improve the youth baseball warm up and process in general, because the more we can get this stuff out to the younger kids, it's not only going to keep them healthier, reduce their injuries, but they'll actually be able to get more out of what they're capable of because their body is moving the way it's supposed to without these compensations of that people don't even realize they have, which is crazy. You think, oh, you're it's a normal kid. But when you actually, from a performance standpoint, if you're a little bit off, that directly is like a fast way to injury zone if your body's a little bit out of whack. So that's my background, where I was and a little bit where I'm going. Well, that's awesome. I want to dive into a couple of things that you said there, but one, just, you know, that little bit off thing. They talk about it as a pitcher. If you're off, like by an, on your release, it could be like seven inches at the plate or so, something like that. And yeah, a tiny degree off can mean a huge impact further down the line. But what I, I really want to dive into is you said one, you're very intuitive, but you'll spend a lot of time observing not only all, all these professional baseball players, but like you said, you're also a baseball mom. Now you've got kids playing little league and, and you're out there and you're watching. What is the things that you're seeing that's common in all of them that you wish like magic wand, you could just help them all get rid of. I wish I could all, I wish I, and I'm actually doing this right now, which is pretty exciting. So the coach, the youth coaches that I see are great people and they're volunteering their time and they are doing their absolute best to get the resources that they need to coach. 
So I absolutely value and appreciate all of these coaches who are coaching my kids and other kids. They, that's not their, their full-time job. So they're just getting what either comes down from the major organization or on their own, finding what they feel is best. What I'm seeing is they're doing warmups that are old school in a sense, kind of like what we did in high school. And those aren't always the best. Static stretching, people go back and forth. Is that's great? It's not. There's a better. There's a better way to do not only dynamic warm up, but then also adding mobility is in younger folks. And the biggest part is these foundational movement patterns. So posture and how the bones should be structured. People just and I know it's like more than you know most people think of, but it is so insanely important to have this. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go off on a little side tangent of what I'm seeing and why it's important. Kids and how they're moving their body. If they're doing, let's say push-ups. I saw push-ups the other day and not a single kid could do a push-up. You, so you shouldn't be doing the push-ups. You have to be doing the movement or you shouldn't be doing the movement all, at all or regress it to a place that you can do it in a pro proper form. So proper form, what I have this acronym I call triple S where the back of your skull, the middle of your scaps, along your spine, and then your sacrum, if you were to put it on a mobility stick, if that's lined up, that allows your pelvis and your rib cage to be more aligned. Why that's important and why I see it in 90% of people that it's not with the head out of whack especially, is if your pelvis is a little bit out of whack in some way, it then plays a direct role to your rib cage orientation. The rib cage orientation relates to the scapula, the chicken wings on the back and how those slide. If that's not efficiently or gliding, moving well, that is directly attributed to the, the force and what is compensating down the arm. So you're seeing these elbow injuries, these shoulder injuries, and it's related to the pelvis. And I'm not going to say all the time, but most of the time. So if we can get kids to start learning things like a proper hinge or what a low lunge or a half kneel looks like and how you hold your body how to not have your head hanging forward. And that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves is seeing people's yeah. head hanging forward. Because it's easy I to... Wait, do you say you do want to get into it? I definitely want to dive into that one. Because as I'm, I'm listening to you, right? Most parents can understand, okay, the, their scaps and, and, and their sacrum, okay. But you, don't, you can't really see that and if it's off kilter that much. But the head posture and how many kids have their shoulders rolled in because they have what my chiropractor calls tech neck, right? We're on that phone so many hours, right? Or, or on the computer that not only is it affecting your bones, but from the chiropractor point of view, it's, it's going to affect the nerves. Because if that bone is moved in such a way, you can't have that energy flow go properly. And I don't think most people understand how much of a chronic issue this is today, because when that's weakened, now the core has to compensate, the core gets weakened and you're putting, trying to get athletes at high velocity performance to do things in weakened states. Exactly. You, if you're a little bit off, it pretty much everybody has natural asymmetries, but then when you layer that on with age, movement, what, with your daily life, sitting at a desk, being on your phone, being slightly sedentary more than we would want to. As a normal person, that might relate to lower back pain or neck pain or knees funky or uh, 
spraining your ankle and so rolling your ankle in some way or shoulder that kind of hurts. For the normal person, that's not really a big deal. It's like, oh, aches and pains. I'll go to my chiropractor or maybe I get some shots. Part of the reason why it's happening is because your body is really this amazing structure that has to work as most efficiently as it can. So if there's pain, it's basically you're just your body saying, hey, here's a message. Can you help me out? And it's not always a surgery or a shot. It's, well, how about if let's start building from the ground up? Well, in kids and athletes, in any way, if that they're moving in these repetitive and stressful environments, that's stressful mentally, it can be, but just on the body, if you continually do that over and over and over again, it's wearing down the smaller things that are trying to pick up the slack for the big things that are out of whack. And I, I should be a rapper or a poet because yeah. I'm There's a lot of research that shows, I, I know Lance Wheeler used to put this out, like 42% of all MLB players who had arm injuries had hip deficiencies. We also see it with, you know, ankle deficiencies, the same thing. And, and it's not like you're going to blow out your ankle on the mound as an example, right? Because of that weakness, it's going to work that energy up their chain and find that weakest point, which is usually the elbow or, or the shoulder. And I know in the last number of years, a lot of parents are now talking about it, obviously we talk about it in our book as, as well, how important it is to, for strength training. Why are we looking at mobility training and strength training as something different? For some parents, they think, okay, if the, the kid's working out in the gym, they're getting their mobility work in possibly. They're working on some movements. Where's the disconnect here? So that's a really great question. And from my point of view, if you have crappy movement patterns, if you're already moving crappy to, from the beginning, that you're going to move crappy in the gym. You can have some of the best trainers in the world. And, and I would well, I will say the best trainers in the world really do understand all of this kind of stuff. So they're working on the really small things. One thing that I have seen that is not happening is strength and power through transitional movements. And what I mean, and no energy leaks through transitional movements. So what that means is being able to have that energy transfer, that flow, that uh, awareness of your body completely from head to toe when you move from one position to the next, whether it's hitting, fielding, pitching, especially where mm. there's, I call these energy leaks. And if I've got a video on Instagram, I'll post it on Twitter soon also to show what I mean about energy flow and energy transfer. If your body is not properly structured, the energy the, cannot move from muscle to muscle, from body part to body part. It either, so it leaks, so you're gonna, not going to have as much power on the output. But also, when that happens, something else is picking up the slack for it. And this, from the strength standpoint and the mobility standpoint, you could do different drills and exercises and med ball throws and all the other fancy chops and lifts and whatever cable things. And that's fantastic. If you don't have the, that foundation, the proper stacking and the awareness and the brain mapping down, it's complicated stuff. If you don't have that down, you're not going to get as much as you are actually capable of out of the gym. So there's, there is mobility, there is strength, but there's also the just 
optimizing the movement and the understanding and the awareness that is related to both. And you can't get the most out of either of those things unless you have that underlying foundation, which so many people think, I've got a strong foundation. I do my planks and I do my core and I do my swimmers and whatever. It's not, that's not what we're talking about. And to be honest, like even the planks and the core and all the foundational stuff, I see it done super crappy. A proper hinge, how to do that or your squats. And there's, I do, I'm just gonna side tangent. One of the things I required this year and I included it in my mobility series is a biomechanics assessment. And it's unlike any other assessment. It's not just, we're not just taking numbers to see what your starting point is. I used to do that because it was really interesting and it gave me information. But the assessment that we're doing now is able to give us information to figure out what position your pelvis is in. So if we have limited range of motion, specifically internal rotation in our upper body or potentially your throwing arms, we can, just by doing a couple drills, we can affect and improve it by changing, it changes the position of the bones. And when the position of the bones change, the range of motion change changes. So there's guys who work on range of motion. This is one that this could be a trigger for some people. The sleeper stretch where you're lying yep. down side and pressing down, cranking on it, and you see it all of the time. I'm not a fan of that one. No, Eric Cressy came out against it a number of years ago. He said at one point he did. for it, at, at, and then a few years later, I think it was probably about four or five years ago, he said he no longer recommends it. I'm glad to hear that because and I hadn't heard that, but I love Eric and, and his wife and the wonderful people. Clearly, they're one of the top, they're top, right? The top mm -hmm. in baseball. Uh, because guys do this. So if you're listening and you are doing the sleeper stretch, there's a bunch of reasons behind. You might have structural limitations that you, if you have the structural limitation and you're cranking on your arm trying to get more, you are weakening what you're trying to strengthen and what we are trying to improve. So to relate it to that assessment, if we could figure out the position of the bones by doing these particular assessments that I do, then by doing very simple things to more align the, the structure of the bones, you automatically, I had one guy, so he's a pro guy, lefty pitcher, and his, he was having some issues and we did the assessment on him and his internal rotation was limited on his throwing arm. We did a couple of drills with him and it increased 15%. And it wasn't like we weren't cranking. We weren't doing any active range. It was nothing. Weird positional drills where we focus on the breathing and the nervous system and allowing the right muscles to relax and get in place. And I won't go into all the whole biomechanics aspect of it. And I don't even remember where the first question was, but strength, strength is one thing. Mobility is one thing. And those two together, tons of people do and do very well. But if you don't have this third component of the structural alignment, awareness, and optimized movement, you aren't going to get the most out of both of those. And there's a chance to get hurt out of both of those. If you have this first one, this foundational stuff, your mobility is going to improve. And then you're going to lift more. You're going to get more power. One last little stat or just an observation. This one of my clients, pro guy, the first year he did the mobility series, I don't, maybe we were eight weeks in or something like that. And I said, oh, how's it going? And he said, in the gym, I am lifting double, but 80 to 100% more is what he, what, what it was. 80 to 100% more than I have in the past. And I said, maybe you don't understand percentages. 80 to 100% means double. And he said, I am lifting hundreds of pounds more than he ever has because his body is moving. 
the, that same guy, the first time he threw off the mound in the offseason, it's light. He, he was throwing 95, the fastest he's ever thrown in his entire life. He was an 81 to 91 guy. Prior to that, he threw 95 in his first, like, not full on. And all we did was get the body moving and then the others improve. It's cool. It, it's, it's interesting you say this because, it, again, a lot of parents probably think, okay, you know, this is great for pros, maybe for college and high school players. But you've seen the video that I put out of, of Sammy when he was first learning how to deadlift, right? First learning how to hinge. Now, he is not a gifted mover. Like, he was just not natural to him. God bless him. He tried his hardest. Big kid. But between going to Lance Wheeler's camps and the core velocity belt and working with true grind systems where the coach there always had a movement first approach. In other words, we're never going to load up on any weights until you learn how to move properly. A squatcher with a PVC pipe until you learn how to put on load. If you can't do your natural body movements, it's, it, you're just not going to do it. But there's a next level thing that I, I, I don't know that parents really understand. And hopefully, I might shock you with this little stat that you don't know yet. But I'm going to walk people up the kinetic chain and and hopefully you can explain why these pieces are so important for them to, to get their athletes training them now. So I just learned yesterday from Phil Stoddard, who's doing some amazing things with pressure mats and stuff like that, that there is only one out of 10 ideal foot positions, pressure mat foot positions that produce optimal power. So we'll start there. Okay. That's a cool stat. If that alignment is not perfectly right because of the foot, the femur, the hips, something is yeah. off. Yeah. You might get out of that one or 10 and lose that optimal. Now, if the pelvis, which is controlling your core, cannot move completely well, you also can't probably rotate real well. And coming back to your skull, if that is moving, you're probably not even seeing very well. So if all of those things are off, what is it doing to our athletes? And what do they need to do now to get better? Forget about all the anatomical stuff. You're not optimal. You're not getting the most out of what you can do. How old can they start learning this? And what should they be doing to get to that next level? My kids are age four to nine. And guess what they're doing? <laughs> and what's interesting is my eight-year-old had airway issues when he was younger, breathing issues. If you have a kid who sleeps with their mouth open, more than likely their rib cage is out of whack also. And if the rib cage is out of whack, there's something going on with their arm. And my, my, my kids, I got to say, I'm blessed. I was athletic and their dad is athletic. But if even my own kids aren't moving, I'm doing it with them because I can see that. So I created a program, a youth program, a youth mobility warm-up that you can do with the really young kids. And it's the same moves that my pro guys do. It's just a matter of focusing your attention that's developmentally appropriate. So for instance, one of the exercises in the warm-up is a 90-90 switch, hip switch with a reach. So that is when you're sitting on the ground, your legs are in this pinwheel position. And for the younger kids, they're leaning back on their arms. And what they do is they rotate to one side and then they reach. 
for the very little kids, the four-year-old, the cueing is something like obviously visual. So sitting with them, doing it, and then lift up and raising, looking up to the sky and feeling the sun and then reaching and smelling the flower on the ground because the little ones are little. Well then, and from a developmental standpoint, not only cognitively, but also physically, there are certain things that we know that you, you either should or you shouldn't be doing. So I created three different versions of youth mobility warm-up age. I want to say four to seven, eight to 11 and 12 plus. It is all the same movements. But if we can start getting the kids doing some of these things really early on and they're fun and they're directly related to for any sport. I, I put it together for baseball, but honestly, it's really for every sport. They're just getting the I mean, kids. The, the body is the body is the body. Is the body is the body. We don't have to have this sport specific. It's just, hey, optimal movement. Another one in there, half kneel and working with what positioning. If the kids are four or five, six, seven, eight, and they don't have the half kneel down, it's okay. We just want to get the kids used to kneeling. And then little by little, whether that's later on in the season or the next season, learning, okay, now we're going to be upright. Pretend there's a balloon lifting up in the top of your head and that front leg, you're going to pull it back towards you. And we move and, and, and build from there. And as you get into the older ages, then they can bring, especially if kids are starting to strength train, all of those and all the things in my warm up are, you could do that warm up before you go work out of the gym because it's warming up the pelvis area. It's warming up the ankles. It's warming up the thoracic area. It's warming up getting the body transferring and setting energy. But what it's also doing is, and this is probably a little bit more in depth that, than anybody needs to think about, but it's people like me who do all of the thinking and the research and the training to give you something simple, but there's a zillion things of why, reasons why it's good. The, the reach on the 90-90 switch, you can change, you can adjust the breathing to achieve different goals. So when you go to one side and you reach with an arm and you inhale while you're reaching, because your spine is slightly rotated and your legs are in a particular position, when you do that reach and you inhale, it fills up more of the back of the rib cage with air and all of the little vertebrae along the spine where the ribs connect. If those are not moving well, that is going to relate to rotational power. And if you're not rotating well, your arm's not going to rotate well. There's going to be junk going on in your back and all that kind of stuff. So the the things that you can start now with the little kids if you ever want to see optimal movement the majority unless there's some the majority of toddlers watch them just follow a toddler around or even a one-year-old and and see I mean, a one-year-old toddler but just do what they're doing one-year-olds their plank it i have pictures of my little kids before they can crawl or anything planking in the middle of my family room and it's stellar. It's unbelievable how I also incorporate developmental patterns. There's, we all have these ingrained patterns in our body. How do we, how, why is it that everybody knows it starts to crawl and that you, you're on a leg, you're on a knee first or on a knee first. So you roll this way or do this. That is ingrained in our biology, in our genes. And that is the, why do we do it? Because it's the most efficient way to do it. So some of that is developmental position. So. You could start at any age and the sooner you do it, the, the less time they have compensatory or crappy 
other movements that layer on to get away from it. But if we start them at four, they're not too far. They're probably not on a phone. Well, I hope not for too long. And so they don't have all of this crap with the structure out of alignment. And yeah, start them early, but do it. It's not I mean, like I you go to the gym at four and do deadlifts. It's, it's fun stuff. I wish I knew some of the stuff when Sammy was younger, because um, just the same way we see Dr. Gallo sharing stuff of his kids. Sammy, when he was young, never really crawled. He was a butt scooter. Okay. Yeah. And then by the time he was two, he ended up breaking his foot in on a play mat in a play gym. Okay. He landed and he ended up breaking his foot. And I'm going back at now, I'm hearing you guys talk about this. And I'm like, no wonder the first time Sammy tried to do it, a, a hip 90-90, he needed to hold on to a pole because he just, there's so many compensations to help him along there. The good news is, right, years and years of work being dedicated to it. And now a 90-90 for him is, can I get out of the couch? Like, it's nothing, right? Yeah. And he could go from that to another pattern, like not a big deal. But obviously if he would have started this earlier, if we would have known about this stuff earlier, he probably would have excelled so much faster. Yet now he just turned 17. He's committed to college. He's you're doing great stuff because he spent years learning this. Exactly. It doesn't have to take years if you started earlier. Totally. It, it becomes natural. You move that way. I'm a little bit of a freak. But I clean up my house and I do one-legged RDLs to pick stuff up. Or I go around picking stuff up with my toes and then bring it up and quick little twist and power. I know that sounds silly, but if you do it, the kids mirror what you're doing. And you, it, it's the, the sooner you start, the more natural it becomes more quickly. Exactly what you said. And Sammy's very lucky to have you who knows about this stuff and got him in with the right people. Because most people don't. I have Now that I've opened my program to high school and college, and I have the youth mobility warm-up. I've got, it's usually the dads. Moms call me too. I, and I, I love to hear from them uh, because the moms are worried about their kids getting hurt. The dad's thinking, okay, how, not all, right? This is, don't hold it. how can I get my kid to win in a sense or be the best he could be? And the mom's thinking, okay, the same thing, but I, want, I don't want my kid to have to go through a surgery. I, I made a video about this from the parent. I'm a parent too. I get, and I get teary-eyed thinking about it. Seeing your kid, I'll get teary-eyed now. Seeing your kid on the sidelines when everybody else is playing is heart-wrenching. Yep. You never want your kid to be out because he's gotten hurt. And if there's something that you can do about it beforehand to limit the chance of injury, you can. There is, there's things, the things that I do, and Dr. Gallup, there's things that you can do sooner than later to reverse that or nip it in the bud earlier than later. I was just on a Zoom last night, 11 o'clock at night, right? Because this is how we roll in baseball. And with a client who hits his now ankle roll, ankle sprain. I just discovered last night, this is a newer client. And I thought it was his first one. I thought, oh my gosh, how, you know, so we started walking through it and it was his third. And I said, do you want to know the number one injury after an ankle sprain? And he said, ACL, that's a great, or right, yeah. MCL, or right, I say MCL. No, who, by the way, who told me that? Oh, Dr. Dr. Tommy John Jr. No, oh, hey, cool. Look at that. Who's it? Who is a doctor who's a chiropractor? And, and he told me after Sammy broke his ankle, 
keep an eye on that, keep an eye on that elbow because within a year of an ankle injury, there's, I, I forgot the number he told me, but it's a huge percentage chance that you're going to end up with an elbow injury. Yeah. And a ro- ro- ankle injury because ankle. if you have these repeat injuries, the, every, there's other things that need to hang on and compensate, right? So if you have one ankle injury, most people, this is, goes for kids, athletes, adults, I've had them, I've had them too. And this, it's funny because we're our, when you do like dentists with bad teeth, right? Mobility, yep. chick, bad ankle. No, it's a good ankle. It's a heel ankle. However, people, if people shy away from are afraid to go into the areas that hurt them because they're, they got hurt and it's scary. But the more you get away from where you got hurt, the more chances you are to get hurt again, which creates this instability up the chain. Hello, elbow. So we talked last night. I know it's a little scary. We're going to start slow, but you need to go in and strengthen that one stronger, bulletproof, stronger than it was before, because it wasn't strong enough before if you rolled it and it sprained. And now this is the third time we need to really go back. I had another client, um, a newer, younger client. He's had two hamstring pulls and it's repetitive. Guess what? We did a biomechanics assessment on him and we're seeing the position of his pelvis. His, he didn't have tight hamstrings. His hang, hamstrings were hanging on for dear life. And so he's stretching him, stretching him, thinking that, hey, my hamstrings are tight. The reason why they were tight is because the position of his pelvis, and this is just an overgeneralization, but he had part of it was an anterior tilt, which most people can't identify and they think, oh, that looks normal. But because of the position of his pelvis, it was actually lengthening his hamstrings. This is common. The yep. uh, good majority of hamstring tightness does not, is not because the hamstrings are tight. It's because they are overstretched and they are hanging on for dear life. Do not stretch me again. And then we're stretching, breaking down that tissue and the structure starts to weaken. And then boom, we're increased the chance of hamstring. So starting with the pelvis. So I don't, again, I don't know where we started with this, but I'm going to let you pick up because I lost my total thought. No problem. I, I want to end with one, one last really important question. Cause, cause you said it. Here you were 11 o'clock last night on, on, on a zoom. Cause it's baseball season. And I, I'm feeling you were about to start summer and the travel and this and that, and obviously trying to get into the gym and to practices. How much time do people have to dedicate to, to get these mobility gains? Is it 45 minutes in the gym or plus? What is it? What's the commitment? It really is not that much. And it's stuff that you can do at home. So my mobility series, the classes range between 45 and 60 minutes, and it's three times a week. And you could do it any time of the day. If you're in season currently, you, it, you happen to be a pitcher, you would do them after you throw, the day after you throw. If you're a reliever, you don't know when. Do it right after the day that you do throw. But it's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. It goes by very quickly. And three times a week is a good amount of time and it integrates into everything that they're already doing. So if they're in a a baseball summer program or they're already working with a strength coach, it enhances what they're already doing and makes it even better. And the parents can do it with them. So the cool thing is when the parents do it alongside, not only is it an opportunity to bond, but and coaches as well, they are able to see, oh, okay, this is how we should be moving to not necessarily harp on their kid, but in their own body, 
And I've got so many parents that said, hey, I did it alongside with my kid and my back pain that I've had forever. I totally forgot my back hurt. It's feeling better. Or my knee. I was thinking about getting surgery because of this or that. My knee doesn't hurt anymore. Or if it's chronic, whatever. And the kids are doing it too. So from a time commitment standpoint, it's really not that. If you're playing summer ball and you're, there's every, you can always find an hour in your day, especially if you, it's going to enhance what your goals are, make you feel better and reduce the chance of injury for both the kid and the parent. So it's not a big commitment, but it really, it, it takes the focus and it takes the dedication and it takes the, the commitment to stay on it. Cause you, if you do it here and there, that's fine. Your body is introduced to it, but you need to like, it's like driving through a, a cornfield. The first time you go through, you're like bushwhacking with a machete. But if you go through it a bunch of times now you've got this nice open path and just flow you know exactly where to go your body and your brain work the same way it just you need to stay consistent with it so that- yeah and it also makes yeah and it also makes it much easier if they're working with a pitching coach or, or a hitting coach because they're trying to get them to achieve certain positions and if their body doesn't have the mobility to do it can't get into those positions they're not going to have the success that that they want we, we could spend hours talking about this stuff. And I know we're, we're going to come back and we're going to bring Dr. Gallo in. So we, we can all have a conversation about uh, movement IQ and what that means for athletes as well. But if people want to track you down, because you, you post some in, incredible things, you know, how energy falls, like, just they need to follow you. Where, where can they uh, find out about your 12-week series and the, and the youth warm-up series, as well as any other information you can put out? I've got a, a few different places. My, I have Instagram, I'm mobility chick on all social platforms. One word, mobility chick, C-H-I-C-K. My website is amplifiedmovement.com. If you're one of those people like me that is not going to write things down, you want to remember baseballmobility.com forwards to me as well. If you just Google Tracy MLB yoga, there'll be articles and features. There's ways to find. But so the summer program is on my website any of my bios, you can click on it and, uh, and you could start at any time. It's a flex start date. There's also one you could do in eight weeks. The 12 weeks is really the best, but if somebody feels like, oh, I can't really commit to the 12, for whatever reason, I released phase one and phase two of the program, which is unbelievable. I had a guy, I didn't post this yet. Uh, a guy who just started, he's in high school. I think he's a sophomore in high school. He's a pitcher. And he sent me a text message the other day and he said he just finished week two. So he finished six classes. And he said he's already throwing two to three miles per hour faster. On week two, we did six classes. That's it. And I, I didn't pull it out of him. He, I said, we don't, we make a video because unless it's coming out of the horse's mouth, people think I'm just you know, like a used car salesman, but it really works. And it's, and it's not that hard to do, but it's somebody like me who's done all the back work and the thinking that has put it together. All you gotta do is follow, hit play and follow. And it's, and it's that. I know uh, my good uh, friend Tanner Carson's also working with you in the 12-week program. Yeah. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what, what comes out of him and the success and, and, and the amount of work he puts in. And he's tried everything. So, like, parents, if you think someone like raised in baseball, Tanner Carson, thinks it's, it's valuable to spend his time on, on top of everything else he's doing to do this, go dig in more, please. Tracy, I'm, thank you I'm, so much for your time today. Thank you, Brian, for having me. If anybody has any questions, hit me up. I'm always happy to help. Thank you for listening. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Also, please consider following us at Baseball Mentors and picking up a copy of our book, Play Ball Kit. We wish you the best of luck in your baseball journey.